Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Hello, welcome everybody. So I want to say thank you to Soleil. It's very, very nice. And to Kylie, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. As many of you know, my name is Casey, and uh, I'm an instructor for Inside LA. I was at an Inside LA teacher training yesterday. I'd like to say I'm a sharer, and one of the Inside LA instructors says, I'm a student that happens to be teaching. <laughs> I like that. I'm a student that happens to be teaching. So we're going to be talking today about the great I am, this I am, and I'll go on and explaining this unexplainable thing. And uh, well, I can't explain it if it's unexplainable, but we're going to be pointing <laughs> to that. We're going to be pointing to the experiential taste of this great I am. I just think it's amazing. Every time we come together for a Sunday sit, it's usually gorgeous outside as it is today. And there's a million things that we could be doing. And we've all come here to sit. And then we look silly. We just didn't do anything for half an hour. We just <laughs> sat there doing nothing. We live in Southern California. We could be out doing anything. And you've come to do nothing. Sit there, you know, in a room, lights turned off, and look inside. So this is revolutionary, right? Revolutionary. We're, for one, we're stopping. That's a revolution. I don't think anyone checked their cell phone, even though Soleil and I had to check the time because I forgot my little clock. <laughs> so we're the only ones. So we didn't check our cell phones for half an hour. That's amazing. We stopped. That's amazing. And then we're actually looking inside. Why? What were we looking? Why? I mean, if somebody who didn't know, you know, meditation, what are they? What are they doing? I'm sure all of us, maybe like meditators, say, "Oh, why do you meditate? You know, what do you do? Nothing. Why? <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> but this is kind of what we're gonna talk about today: is why? Like, what are we looking for? Right? We're obviously looking somewhere else out of the norm for an understanding, a happiness, a contentment, a something. We're looking for something. And we're not entirely confident that it's out here. If you're in here and you're looking in here, then you're, you've tasted a little bit that it might not be out there, right? So this is, we've come to the, at least that point that it might be somewhere else, right? And so we're looking at this discovering of what is it. And really, we're looking at, you know, who am I? What am I? What is this? This metaphysical question, you know, why am I here? What am I doing here? Yeah. So we're looking for these answers. And so Wendy last week talked about delusion. And we call this delusion a wrong view. And when we have a wrong view of existence, 
we actually think we might be here for something, but it's actually not that, right? We think we're here to accumulate more money and have the right partner and the right job, and then that's going to bring us gratification, happiness. That might be one reason why we're here for the stuff outside of ourselves, right? One idea of why we're here. But then there's something else, because we're going to leave all that behind and sit and look inside. So we're trying to leave everything here and look at something else. So we're discovering what is this something else. And so this right view can come with an understanding. The root of this is the understanding of the true I, the true I. Right? So we have the little I, the ego I, and then we have the true essence I, right? the capital I. And we could affirm this by I am. I am. And now one thing that we're alluding to here is that this false I, it, for lack of a better word, it really sucks to live as the small I. To be attached to the small I is not really that much fun. We call this the aggregates these are the components in Buddhism they call the aggregates. These are the components of the false I. And the false I that we usually say, this is me. So everyone point to themselves, say, right? This is what we usually do. This is me, right? And if you ever played this game before, you say, well, where exactly is it? And we go like this, say, oh, is it that part of the flesh? Because everyone has a little eye right here or something. There's a little man in there or a little woman. There's a little eye, you know, in there. There's no brain surgeon that, you know, went into the brain and said, I found it. There's the eye. There they are. Or the heart surgeon never, never found it, right? Never found the eye. So that one of the aggregates, this components of the false eye is form, right? So when we attach the eye to the form, we might be in a little bit of trouble because the form is what? Always changing. It's impermanent, right? And we know we have a problem already because we say something funny. We say, my body. So now we have big problems already. My body, right? But if we hit our finger with a hammer, then we say, I'm in pain. A moment ago, you had a body, but now you're in pain. Big problems here. Who owns the body? Who owns the body? So we say things like, my mind. So this is another component, right? We're made up of mind, body. We say, oh, well, maybe I'm up here. We say funny things like, my mind. Well, who owns the mind? We don't say, this is my cell phone, and then I am my cell phone. <laughs> right? The next moment, we don't say, oh, you know, if we hit the cell phone, drop the cell phone, we don't, ouch, you know? So a moment ago, we own something, and then the next moment we, moment, we are that something. How about emotions? This is another component. Feel that we're made up of. You hurt me. You hurt me, right? You hurt me. Not an emotion arising in the universal subconscious mind, but you hurt me. Self-identification with something that's impermanent. Right? My emotions. But we say my emotions. Even consciousness gets us in trouble. This belief, these concepts, we call this mental formations, gets us in big trouble. Ideas, beliefs get big trouble. 
We go to war over beliefs. We can kill somebody over a belief. We can kill ourselves over a belief. Somebody's going to take their life today because they believed a thought. All right, from Thich Nhat Hanh. So true, so powerful. Our thoughts could weigh a thousand pounds, right? My thoughts, but when we self-identify with a thought, man, when they're us, when they're, uh, like that, dangerous and impermanent. So everything that's impermanent cannot be us. It's impermanent. It's coming and going, right? We cannot be what comes and goes. We, it, it can't be. The true I. I'm going to read a little bit from Vivekananda on this, the passing of eyes and the attachment of how we attach ourselves to this, this I. Some people are so afraid of losing their individuality. Wouldn't it be better for the pig to lose its pig individuality if he could become God? Yes, but the poor pig does not think so at the time. Which state is my individuality? When I was a baby sprawling on the floor trying to swallow my thumb, was that the individuality I should be sorry to lose? Fifty years hence, I shall look upon this present state and laugh, just as I now look upon the baby state. Which of these individualities shall I keep? Right? We're trying to lock ourselves in the box of this moment. I am an athlete meshing his self-identity or her self-identity to being a athlete. They have an injury. What happens? You take the label of the athlete away, and what are they left with? A void of that, right? Because they self-identified with athlete, trying to hold that present moment as the I am. I am that, right? But we're shifting and changing, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do in Buddhism is we have a negation process. I'm not that. So we call this emptiness training, where we find the substantiality of those aggregates. We look really deeply. And this is one thing that we're looking at, right? Looking at very deeply inside. Oh, what is that? Where do our thoughts come from? What's a thought? How heavy is a thought? How light? What texture? What shape? Where does it abide? Where does it go? It's you. Our emotions, it's you, you know, all these things. Does it have a fixed location? All those things, right? So we're investigating the substantiality of that one by one. And then what we call it, we say we found the emptiness of it, which it doesn't exist in and of itself. It's dependent arising. It's depending on us saying that it exists for it to exist, right? Everything that we see in this collective eye, it makes, takes a label to exist, right? And we've gone over this. There's no, there's no phone in the iPhone, right? There's no piece of, the, piece of anything that you could take out that the iPhone is not going to exist any longer, right? And there's no I. There's no fixed I in these aggregates, these components of self, right? I'll read one little thing from, from Lama Zopa. And I love how he talks about and he talks about himself in the third person, which is great, because I never heard him say this. It's funny. So he's giving a talk and he says, um, in the same body, 
in the same way, this body is not Zopa. So he's talking about himself. And this mind is not Zopa. None of these five aggregates, form, feeling, recognition, compounding aggregates, or consciousness is Zopa. Even the whole group of these aggregates is not Zopa. It is the base to be labeled Zopa. You cannot find Zopa nowhere on the group of all these aggregates, on the association of this body and mind. But it doesn't mean that there's no Zopa. Zopa exists in this hall. There's no other reason at all that there's Zopa in this hall, except that these aggregates, this body and mind, are here. So in relative reality, we're all here, right? Because we have labeled it such. This is how we communicate in relative reality, right? That's the only reason that it is believed that Zopa is in the hall. Again, what Zopa is, is extremely fine, extremely subtle. That subtleness is I am. And what we mean by this is I am, is I am aware. So let's say in Dzogchen and some other schools, they will say, instead of saying I am, which is, you know, some from other schools, they will say, they will just say awareness. Because awareness is what's left behind. When we let go of the thoughts and the emotions and the body sensations, all these things, what's left? Awareness is left, right? I'm awake. What did Buddha say when he was enlightened and he came upon the first people? They say, are you omniscient? Are you enlightened? Are you a guru? This or that. He just said, I'm awake. This is it. I'm awake. And so if we say I am and stop with this, it's not the ego I am. It's saying I am. I am awake. I, I am. It's the acknowledgement of your own awareness. I saw something, I saw a comedian, it was so interesting that it was, this was in his skit, it was so profound, and had nothing to do with this, but he just threw it in there, it was like out of the blue. Um, he's talking about the gun laws or something, and all of a sudden, he said the most profound thing, he said just this, he says, you know, I am is all we got. He says, I am is the only truth. He says, after that, it could be all made up. He said, for example, right now, I think that I'm here on stage talking in front of 20,000 people in this big auditorium. This is what I think. He says, but it could very well be the case that I'm in a mental institution right now, staring at a wall going, like thinking that I'm a comedian standing up and talking to all these people. And, and this is true in a very real sense because I am is the only common ground that we could all agree on. There's not one single thought that you and I and all humanity could ever agree on. There's not one belief, right? Because it's relative reality. It's relative to your mind and my mind. There's no single truth in this dream. Only I am is known for real. Your I am is my I am. Your awareness is my awareness, unfettered, uncontrived awareness. And this is beyond mental for formations, which is the, another aggregate. What I mean by form formation is anything that we think we are, we cannot be. And this is the tricky part about when we go dive deep into meditation <laughs> and we have these really blissful, amazing experiences that seems so far out of this reality that it must be another reality, yet it's only in no mind that reality exists. 
It's only if there's still a subject object, there's still something having an experience, we're not there yet, right? Because this, this statement of I and other, see, just if we stay with I am, I know it's a little confusing, but I am, just, it's just the awareness part, right? It's not I am other, it's just that, just this is it. It's undivided. As soon as we divide ourselves with a separate little small I having an experience, that there is even a meditator having an experience, we have divided ourselves. How can we experience oneness when there's somebody being one? Like it's not one, it's not two. You can't have a oneness experience and have a person or an entity or a feeling having it, right? It just, it's isness. It's isness experiencing itself. I don't know if he says that in this quote. There's a great Zen saying that all the Buddhist teachings, and this goes for all the teachings, are there to take us beyond thought. So what good is it that we hold on to all of those concepts and beliefs and teachings? All the techniques and teachings are there to throw away at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? We have to throw away everything we know to know. You have to, have, you have to throw it away. It's a means to an end. The teachings get us to the cushion. The teachings get us here to look inside, right? And then the techniques help us settle the mind, and then we let go. Then we become. Then we become what we're seeking. We stop the seeking. The stop and become and trust. Just like we're all trusting here today by closing our eyes and looking within an amazing trust in our own Christ consciousness, our own Buddha nature, right? It's an amazing amount of trust. What, what are we looking for, you know? We must have some kind of intuition already just to do this and not. I'm going to read something else. I totally forgot what I marked. I don't know if this is even relevant. But, uh, This is from the Zen teachings of, I forget, Charles Krishna, do you know how to say his name? Hong Po? I don't know. Hong Po. <laughs> I never heard his name. It's amazing. Life and teachings of Hong Po. The original Buddha nature is, in highest truth, devoid of any atom of objectivity. It is void, omnipresent, silent, pure. It is glorious and mysterious, peaceful joy. And that is all. Enter deeply into it by awakening to it yourself. That which is before you is it. Let me read that again. That which is before you is it. Right here. In all its fullness, utterly complete. There is not beside. It means there's nothing besides this. Even if you go through all the stages of Bodhisattva's progress towards Buddhahood, one by one, when at last, in a single flash, you attain full realization, you will only be realizing the Buddha nature which has been with you all the time. And by all the four stages, you will have added to it nothing at all. Right? This is a subtraction problem. We're not adding anything to anything. We're already it. This is it. I am. This is it. 
I was living at a center in this, this is Geshi, and a really learned uh, Lama. It's a really uh, hard training to become a Geshi. And he was talking, yeah, Michael Jackson had just died, and they did a movie about his last tour, and it was called This Is It. That was the name of the movie. And he heard that title, and he was, he was saying, Michael Jackson Rinpoche. He was saying, this is it. This is it. And he, all day long, and I'd see him say, this is it. This is it. And he was so, I mean, he really wanted us to get it. Uh, maybe this contemporary link, you know, that we could get it, that this is it. We're nowhere to go. This is it. The I am. I am that I am. Like in the Bible, I am that I am. Right? I am the, the feminine. I am the masculine. You know, the teachers will say this. I am that I am. This is relative reality and ultimate truth all in one. I am that I am. I am masculine and feminine. I'm the dual nature of relative existence. All things form into, into this, into this material form. And I am thatness. I am the non-dual nature of all existence. I am the nothing. I am the everything. I am that I am. Like that. Tell him I am sent you in the Bible. Tell him, tell Moses, tell him I am sent you. You know, I am. Just that. Right? And we are God. We are that thatness. Right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little thing, and I have no idea if this is gonna work. But I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> we don't know if we can try it. Okay, so I mean even physically, I don't know if this is gonna work. We're going to all hang on to this same piece of thread here. I'm going to go ahead and take that and then just pass it along. Uh, actually, t we're going to go, I think it might work if we go in the rows. Yeah. And then it's going to wind like that. And then back to Zoe. Oh, okay, now. Or, or just Soleil. This is fine. Oh, go ahead and give me some slack. <laughs> give, me some slack. Give, give me some slack. I'm trying. I'm trying here as best I can. You notice there's no stop and go. Like we're waiting for this, but we're not waiting for anything. Everything's already begun and it's already done, right? Awareness, there's no beginning or end to awareness. Where did your awareness begin? Where did it end? Where does it end? You notice awareness, every time you check into it, uncontrived, it's just hanging out, waiting for you. <laughs> it's waiting for you to remember. This is what mindfulness means, sati. It means to remember, the Pali Sati mindfulness, it means to remember. You notice it, when, once you remember awareness, it's already there. And you don't need to do anything to make it there. And this is the I am. You do not need to do anything to make yourself whole. When we let go of what we're not, we arrive what we are. Let go of the aggregates. This is the unattachment that Buddha talked about. Let go of attachment to the body. You're not the body. Let go of the attachment to the mind. You're not the mind. Let go. Let be. Like Papaji says, if I can get you just for one moment 
just for one moment let go of everything you know, you'd get it just, just like that, just one moment. Okay, so we're gonna, um, we're all gonna tie a knot, but before we do, a little more stuff. So notice, we all, we're all holding the same string, and this string represents ultimate truth. It represents Buddha nature, your Buddha nature, my Buddha nature, Christ consciousness, universal mind, whatever we wanna call it, right? Ultimate truth, this is it. Now notice, on this endless stream, and it is endless even though the rule, it's not, it's endless in our, <laughs> this is endless, is that we could, we could, we could put this knot, we're going to tie a knot, but we're going to put this knot anywhere we want on this string, you know, like we're just deciding, so just acknowledge that we're going to decide, and so to make a knot in the string, we could just double it up, put your finger like so, and you know, you just wrap it around your finger, you could tie a knot however you want, but if, you know, just, <laughs> just tie it around your finger, you know, and then just put the loop in. You know, just tie it now. And allow your feather fellow knot tires if it's not happening for you. Huh? Oh, can you not tie? Do we need more slack? No, just wait for people to finish. And then you go. You want it at the same time? Oh, yeah. Everyone tie their knots, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So notice that you tied the knot. Now, we could agree that even though you tied a knot, and you might have done an awesome job, or maybe you didn't tie a knot yet. <laughs> Do we need more slack with some, like, a tight? Then you might need help tying your knot. That's all right. If you need help tying your knot, get help tying your knot. That's awesome. Okay. Everyone have their knot tied. Now, do you agree that even though it might be difficult, it might be very difficult, in fact, but you can eventually untie this knot mm -hmm. if you had to, right? You could eventually untie this knot. Do you agree? So you've created this knot, and you could untie this knot. <laughs> and we also know that in a very real way that even though you tied this knot, this knot is in not in any way separate from the thread itself. And it's in no way separate from the thread. It's made of the thread wholly and completely. Agreed? Yeah? Not different. And also, too, that you tied this knot, but the word knot could also mean not, as in N-O-T, like it's not there. This is just a coincidence. <laughs> I found while trying this thing out. <laughs> Even though we have a knot, we, it's not. We, we have a knot knot. Just a cool coincidence. But also, too, we, could, we can say that there's not a knot there. Let's say if we had a small knot in a string, we wouldn't say, grab me the string with all the knots or the knot, right? We could say that this is just string. It is just string, right? That's it. So why don't we just maybe just close our eyes for a moment and maybe still hold the string 
And of course, this is an, an analogy for this I that we think that we are. We think that we're this individual knot and we might be tied up a bit in delusion, in wrong thinking, that we cannot see out of this knot that we're tied up into. We cannot see the string. And just allow yourself to maybe feel into this connection point, this own individual eye, this own individual knot, but also see how that's connected to not only this string, but to the others just like you that think that they're the knot. But we're all this one stream of awareness represented here in this string. And allow your consciousness, allow your, your awareness right here and now to maybe flow through this very string this physical, tangible string, and just connecting to each other, feeling the universality of our own awareness, consciousness. Notice that as this awareness, awareness itself is not fixed in any location whatsoever. Feel free to move within this awareness Awareness, I am. Just leave it at that. I am. Staying don't know mind, I am. Maybe letting go of this string analogy here for a moment and just resting in this. Bask in the experiential answer of who's meditating, who's looking. Don't follow that thought. Who owns that thought? Experience the answer. Let go, surrender, nothing to do, nothing to achieve, nowhere to go. Throw away the map. You're already at the top of the mountain. This is it. Yes, this. Notice you can do nothing at all, not even grasp a thought and still be. What is this beingness that's still there? This is not something that's found in a cave, in a mountain, in long retreat. It's right here. It's so close we don't see it. It's right here. Don't need to make an ego around it. There's no enlightened me. There's no enlightened Casey. It's just this. So simple when we're free of the aggregates, no attachment to the components, right? 
not even want make not even, not wanting to make a better me, but just that, just awakening to this. So simple. Right? It's the most unprofound thing ever. The most profound thing is so unprofound. Mm-hmm. So simple. Just that. We overthink it, overanalyze it, overstrive. Just this. So maybe we could release the string. How was that? Was that fun to do? I don't know. Is it okay? It's actually pretty profound, actually. <laughs> it's something like this. Pretty profound. Unprofound. And um, what's that? And you unknotted it. We could, we could do it anytime. We could unknot ourselves. Wonderful. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.